Welcome to Acute Conversations, the official podcast of APTA Acute Care, where we share engaging conversations about acute care physical therapy so you can connect to your profession. I'm Ashley. And I'm Leo. Today we chat with Carrie Lammers, Josh Johnson, Rich Severin, Danny Young, and Kyle Ridgway. It will be all be at the Shark Tank session at CSM in Boston, where budding acute investigators will have an opportunity to sink or swim, and they want to hear your ideas. Today we discuss what the Shark Tank is all about, who should apply to swim in the tank, and Leo's subtle plug, or should I say joke, for bridging the gap. Let's welcome our guest. All right, everyone, welcome again for the new season, the second year of Acute Conversations, the official podcast, APT Acute Care. We've got a fantastic episode planned for today. We've got the most amount of people on the podcast as guests today. We have all together, how many, Ashley? We have, we have five, if I'm counting five. right. That's right. Yeah. And so many that Rich Severin and I, Dr. Rich Severin, are in the, in the same office because we're in the same, <laughs> same department, the same building. So without further ado, let me introduce all of our sharks because we are yeah. uh, podcast featuring the Shark Tank players here. First of all, we have Dr. Carrie Lammers. She's the co-chair of APTA Acute Research Committee. She's hailing from Ohio State University's Medical Center, and she's also the Rehab Operations Manager. We also have Dr. Danny Young, hailing from Las Vegas. He's an associate professor in the PT department at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He's been as PT since 2002. He's also has an appointment at Johns Hopkins as an adjunct associate professor in the School of Medicine. Today, we also have Dr. Kyle Ridgway coming from Denver, Colorado. He's an educator for inpatient rehab therapy at the University of Colorado and vice chair of the Mobility Clinical Effectiveness Group for UC Health. Next to me is Dr. Rich Severin. He's a clinical assistant professor in UIC's DPT program. He's also the DPT program coordinator and coordinator of the UI Health Bariatric Surgery Rehab Program. And lastly, we have Dr. Josh Johnson, who is newly appointed as an assistant professor in the Duke University Division of PT, along hanging out with uh, Dr. Ashley Poole, who's like, <laughs> uh, and he's also the department, oh, I'm sorry, the Duke University Division of PT and Department of Population Health Sciences. He also does, he's the clinical research lead for Duke University Health System Department of Rehab. So Sharks, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. And let me just start off with the first question. What is this Shark Tank that's going to be featured at CSM? Uh, I'll go ahead and take that one. So this year, and I know I talked about it previously with you guys. So Barbara, Barbara Smith and I are the co-chairs for the research committee for the Academy of Acute Care. And we've been doing this together for a decade at this point. So over time, we just continuously see so much excitement that happens at CSM. People go to different talks, different lectures. They get so many ideas, but then they don't really know what to do next. Or through the submission process for either grants, posters, platforms, people just really need help and they're not really sure where to turn. So the goal of the Shark Tank is basically to create a mentorship type relationship, create connections around the country, you know, connect like-minded individuals who have experience doing these types of projects, ranging from, you know, really sophisticated research projects all the way down to how do I just operationalize a systematic change here at my med center? and create longer lasting relationships and planning so that we can really just inspire people in the section, whether you're an audience member or someone swimming in the tank. Our goal is to just create excitement around research and other types of quality improvement work with these wonderful other gentlemen that we have here today. Well, first of all, I just have to say a couple of things. 
I love Shark Tank. I think this is the <laughs> coolest, coolest idea ever. Second of all, I'm totally fangirling out right now because I'm here with all of you amazing people. But I just want our listeners to know because they may feel the same way that these people are so nice and they're so approachable and they really want to help. And I think that's really cool. But last year at CSM, I went to one of your sessions, several of you were there, where you were also helping and like giving out ideas. And it actually stimulated a lot of conversation afterwards with some clinicians that were like, hey, I really want to do research. Like, how can we partner together and collaborate and get mentorship? So this is really, really neat. So I'm just curious, like when you're looking for people to swim in the shark, as you say, like what kind of people should reach out and apply to be in the shark tank? Um, I'll give a quick answer and then I'll let the sharks go for sort of what they're looking for. So the, the long story short is you can come at any stage of your project. I just talked to somebody recently who has this big grant. They thought they had the support and they now they're kind of stuck all the way down to, you know, the clinician who works at a small med center without any support and they just want to get started. So there's no restriction on range or degree of support. We will ask about that in the form when you submit to participate, but please don't feel like you have to be at a specific part of your idea in order to come swim with the sharks. And I'll toss it over to Rich. Yeah, do you all have specialties like, you know, that you are like, I do this kind of research, I'm looking for this kind of person or can it be anything? Yeah, I think it'd be anything. I, I gave a talk at a conference recently about how, you know, you know clinicians in a certain sense um, are sitting often on a gold mine of data from their clinical practice. So yeah, obviously most of us on this call have some formal research training or have involved actively in the research process. But I think there's so many stories from clinical practice that don't get told just because people don't have the means to do it, right? You need, you need funding to conduct a good research uh, study, right? To produce good data for publication. And you know, this is a great opportunity for clinicians who are trying to test the waters, no pun intended. And, <laughs> and uh, I would really encourage clinicians, like, because the, the adage always tell people that if, you know, if you don't tell your story, who else will, mm -hmm. right? So if there's an observation you find clinically, you find it's interesting, there's probably someone else you might be interested in as well. And there was a great paper just published in PTJ about like the, the impetus for clinicians. It was focused on academia, but how research really advances the profession. We really need to have you know, investment in that. And I think this is a great opportunity for that, just for, for any clinician or any any PT. So anyone I think who's got a good interesting story to tell through the research, this, this is this is for you. Yeah, I would add to that. I I think clinicians have a gold mine of data, but also a gold mine in ideas. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've loved about the roles that I've had in research is I don't have to be the one that asks the questions. I get to partner with clinicians who have much more relevant questions than I could possibly ask. And we get to bring those to the forefront and then we get to work together to identify what are the right types of data that we need to collect and for which patients and for how long. And, you know, we get to partner together to, to do that kind of work, which is why I'm really excited to be part of this, this group. When I think about like clinicians or whoever that might be listening, it's like, oh, that sounds really cool. But Oh my gosh, I don't really feel the application. Like that sounds really intimidating. Like what's involved in filling out this application? Like how much information do they have to give you? How much time is it going to take them? Let's spell that out because that would intimidate me. Please don't be intimidated. It's, I think it's like eight questions. We had a really long form and backed it way off because I didn't want people to feel intimidated when they were filling it out. It's just basic information. Like what are your clinical questions? Just so that we have a better understanding as we enter the tank. Like 
what resources do you have access to through your medical center just to like sort of scope and be able to guide a little bit better? And what are you hoping to get? So we haven't mentioned this specifically, but the reward, so to speak, within the tank is eight to 10 hours of mentorship from one of the people on this screen. So the goal, and just like in the tank, they can pick up a project or pass just very much like the show. But the goal is to be able to give you something real and meaningful to do within that eight to 10 hours. So it just helps us knowing like as we're selecting projects, you know, is it appropriate to get you somewhere within that eight to 10 hours versus like if you are, you know, really down in the weeds with an NIH grant and you're not sure what to do, like maybe we need to just use resources from the actual APTA to help you a little bit differently. But no, it's the goal is to not be intimidating. In many ways, they're probably overly simplistic questions. We just want to get a really good idea of where you are, what your questions are, and how we can help. So that's a little bit different than the the real Shark Tank. I was, was going to ask who gets to play Mr. <laughs> Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, and who gets yeah. to be Mark Cuban. But I think the purpose also of this podcast is to let our listeners know these are uh, the sharks. They're going to be the Shark Tank. But rather than being intimidating, we want to kind of decrease that intimidation and uh, put the word out there that we are looking for people to, to go ahead and apply. And especially if you have that, that inclination. And so I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about some of these staff therapists that are out there right now. That are thinking, I wish I could do more. Just I don't know how to start. Would you say that this would be a good opportunity for them if they want to kind of dip their toe in the water with the research, at least to, at least start a discussion with you all? Leo, I think that would be perfect. Absolutely. I mean, that's how I jumped into research. I get to say I'm the only shark. I'm not a researcher. I work for a health system. I've been involved in research, but I couldn't call myself a researcher um, by any means. And I think that's exactly who I'm looking for is that staff therapist who says, I've identified a problem or I've identified a gap, or I have some challenges implementing this research into practice, or I've identified a question where if we can answer this question, we can optimize our care delivery. And to really springboard off what Carrie was saying is, you know, what, is, what does someone need to bring? What do they need to give us? Fill out the form, bring you your ideas, your challenges. And, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of good dialogue and questions from the sharks, just like the actual shark tank. And so really there's no expectation. There's no pre-qualifications. It's, it's an idea, it's you, and it's a conversation. And we'll, we'll kind of see uh, who gets funded, so to speak. So mm-hmm. you're not putting them on the hot seat per se. No. You're kind of like, it's more no. like a discussion about like the project and what they have and what you can offer and if this is a good kind of match. Is that maybe correct? The, maybe the warm seat. Like it's not going to be a, a hot seat. Okay, all right. <laughs> a little bit of warming. Going I mean, no one there. wants a cold seat. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't um, know. No, but. Oh, I was just going to say, I'll I'll piggyback off of Kyle just a little bit. I also don't claim to be a researcher. I've participated in a lot of research, but at the end of the day, what, you know, I'm an operations specialist and, you know, at the end of the day, all the best research in the world um, sometimes doesn't just get immediately adopted. So, you know, when you, and, and I think I've learned over, over time, what you have to say to the, the right people with the right messaging appeal to the right metrics for your institution. And I think where I'm looking to really partner with somebody is you're trying to launch a program. How do you get from dear boss, I'd like to get this specialization all the way up through, Hey, we created a long lasting competency and now we're training people every day to do things differently and be better. So you can make research out of those types of you know, opportunities, but I'm not necessarily the researcher per se either. My my forte is operations, and I'm hoping to get things moving for anybody who's having trouble or they're stuck. 
You guys are making me want to come swim in the tank. I'm not going to lie. And I'm just come thinking, on over. Like, well, there might be people, there might be people like me who like, you know, I've did my toes in the research, but I'm also an educator. And so because this is APTA acute care, are you only looking for clinical research questions? Can it be education research questions? Is there, there does there need to be a focus in that kind of way? Not at all. I, I think, you know, one of the things you mentioned before we got on was, you know, the different areas of specialty that we have and, and what we have experience with. And I think that would be the only limitation is if if none of us have experience in the question that someone is interested in, it, it would be uh, hard for us to be very helpful. And so I, I think part of the reason that you see a, a, a diverse group of people here in terms of their background and experience is so that we can offer a lot of variety. But if, if no one has experience in education research, then that may be something that we would struggle to, to really do well with. Well, with that said, what are your specialties? Can you all share a little bit about what kind of research you do? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I'm a cardiopulmonary clinical specialist and uh, my you know, area of research is primarily looking at the work of breathing in obese patients, um, but vascular function as well too, microvascular studies. So that's kind of my area. But I wanted to add one thing before we get into our individual specialties that some of the best, like, you know, and I think Danny and Josh can probably attest to this for people who have submitted grants for research that like, you know, even if you don't get funding, like the feedback that you get and that you'll get through this process too, by participating even is going to be great because you'll have some of your ideas more refined and triangulated. So maybe the next time you do it, or if you go for a bigger study. So even if you don't necessarily like get the award, you'll get really good feedback from participating. So like, yeah, I strongly recommend anyone to, to, to you know, submit a, a proposal to, to participate because just the feedback alone is, is great, is valuable. Yeah, that's a really And that's good why point. we're doing it in front of an audience. We are, he captured it perfectly. That's what we're hoping the impact on the audience at minimum will also experience. So even if you're not submitting an idea, you can just come and hear the dialogue and listen to the questions that are asked. And, you know, the, the goal is a 360 view of, you know, learning and conversation. Okay, so back to your research. See, cardio palm, <laughs> Rich's cardio palm. How about you, Josh? So I brand myself as a health services researcher, and um, I think Danny and I will be um, the sharks fighting for a lot of projects together because we overlap uh -oh. so much. Um, but I think where maybe I, I, I distinguish myself a little bit from Danny is um, Danny is much more of a master acute care clinician than I am. And so uh, I'll let him speak to his specific interests, but I feel like where I offer a lot of expertise is like the post-acute care transition, right? Like how do we get patients into appropriate care settings out of the hospital? And what are the, what's the role of functional assessment? And how do we interact with our post-acute care colleagues to identify where settings might be most appropriate? So a lot of like, you know, care delivery patterns is where the, the types of data that I would be looking for. What I heard from that is the sharks may be fighting for your project. That's what I heard from that. <laughs> oh, you can definitely expect that. <laughs> Danny, how is yours a little bit different? 
the reason that I ended up at a university instead of seeing patients, because I loved being a clinician. I worked in a hospital full-time for five years, mostly in intensive care, um, but also on all the other units of the hospital was because I, I was frustrated that when a nurse or a physician would challenge me on what I was proposing with a patient, that there wasn't good evidence to help me come back and say, actually, yes, this is what we should do, or this is what we need to do, or actually, no, that's not what we do. There, there just was so little evidence that I felt like I had a responsibility to try and answer questions about acute care practice in the hospital. And so that's what I'm most interested in. And that's what I try to research. And so that's what I'll be looking for uh, when people are making pitches is, is hospital practice. I wish I had you like 10 years ago when I was trying to change practice in the ICU. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing out there. Now there I is. But... <laughs> yeah. um, and then... How about you, Kyle and Carrie? Yeah, for me, like I said, I can't claim to be a researcher. So, you know, whatever I end up helping with research-wise is whoever will uh, let me be on their team and ends up, you know, not hating me. So I'm so very, a very broad swath of interest. <laughs> but generally speaking, I would say my skill set is going to be best served in helping the clinician or the person jumping into the tank refine their question from more an operational clinical lens. And one of my big interests is really how do we target and allocate scarce rehabilitation resources in order to optimize their impact, firstly, and then secondarily, how do we integrate rehabilitation therapy practice into overall hospital care delivery to decrease immobility harm, which Danny is obviously very expert at as well. And then I would say lastly is sustainment, which is if you're trying to aggregate and do process or quality improvement, depending on how your institution goes about it. How do you do it in a way that it's not just the flavor of the month and when we come back in two years, you're you know, just where you were um, when you started. So that kind of that sustainment piece and that kind of implementation piece is really where my passion lies. But I, I will feel free to be interested in whatever gets thrown out there and you know, arm wrestle or whatever sharks do to, you know, get the get the proposals. Mm. Gonna be some bidding back and forth. Who's gonna get these proposals? I was going to say, usually they're throwing money around to fight over it. And that's uh, probably not what we'll do. So I like the armamental idea. You're giving your time. That's very valuable, though. Yeah, absolutely. Carrie, well, are you also a shark? I am a shark. And I really, the intention is, I, it sounds like I'm going to be arguing with Kyle over a lot of people or proposals because I very much in the same way, you know, I was a clinical specialist in cardiopalm and vestibular. So I, I love the dizzy patients. That's where my background really goes. If they're complex, dizzy, send them my way. But moving into operational management, I just have a whole different lens and perspective on how to create those long lasting programs. You know, I've, I've had several initiatives that we built from the ground up that led to multi-year projects, and, but sustained changes. And I think where I really specialize is speaking that language to get people in the hospital to listen, and more importantly, to be willing to expand their viewpoint on the value of what therapy can bring. So rather than thinking about specific research outcomes, how can we create a better value and a better perception and get others to help us move the needle in the direction where that it needs to go that some of these other guys, you know, we're there's defining research and there's applying research. And I think having a full spectrum of people that look at all of those different components through different lenses is going to be really cool to see what, because we're all going to look at the projects and be like, oh, but have you thought about this? And it's going to yeah, be, yeah. it's going to be a, a whole different can of worms. So it's going to be exciting. So yeah. you're really popping something into my head, which is, I think some of the audience may think, well, I don't know. 
I'm not really interested in research. It's not a research question. I'm just trying to change practice. I just am trying to start this program. I'm trying to take, you know, this research that I've read and apply it or figure out if it applies to practice or things of that nature. And so I think for people listening, that fits this too, because really right. well done process and quality improvement or really well done programs can be retrospectively analyzed in a research way or quantified in a way that they're really impactful for our clinical colleagues, our operators, such as Carrie, but also for our researchers, right? Where they mm -hmm. say, holy cow, look at this great program or look at this, you know, this process quality improvement. There's a research question in here. Let's design a prospective study. Let's figure out how to answer these questions. And so I don't want people to feel limited in that, like, oh, I don't have this really great, you know, fully baked, like, research question that feels like research. Because sometimes this stuff doesn't always feel like, quote, unquote, research. You all can't see this, but Carrie was, like, doing the, like, <laughs> hand raise, snatch. She liked that kind of. louder for the back. Attention to care members. The Bridge the Gap Conference is coming to Chicago, Illinois, May 3rd to 5th, 2024. The theme is Translating Evidence into Acute Care Practice. The conference will be focused on bringing the science and evidence for physical therapy into acute care practice. The conference will be featured in stunning downtown Chicago at the Department of Physical Therapy and Human Movement Sciences, Feinberg School of Medicine, Northwestern University. Once again, May 3rd to 5th, 2024. The location is near the scenic shore of Lake Michigan and entertainment on the Magnificent Mile. If you are interested in submitting a poster for presentation or being a guest speaker, please contact our co-host, Leo Argulis, at the email listed in the show notes. And now, back to the show. So yes, want, a thousand percent yes, Kyle. I wanted to chime in here a little bit too, just kind of like a, a you know a, a ten thousand foot view of everything of, of why this is so important. Can you maybe just talk about why this is so important to be able to bridge that gap? Little plug in for bridge the gap between the researchers and <laughs> clinicians, and then kind of bringing them together and, and the whole purpose of this. And why is that so important? Because I can see some therapists out there, new and you know seasoned uh, clinicians, thinking, "Well, I'm just a staff therapist, and I'm just going to see whatever patients that I see and." I barely have enough time to even get to my patients and finish my documentation. What's what's the benefit that participating in something like this? What does that bring to the table rather than just kind of sitting back and being more passive? Now, I've got my own soapbox of, of why it's so important to be part of APTA and join different programs and kind of make your voice heard. But I'll give you the give you all the mic about how, how important this is to be able to bring that gap together between researchers, even from staff clinicians that are just on the floor seeing patients. Well, I think Danny alluded to, I mean, it was Danny or Josh alluded to this earlier that some of the, like I mentioned the, the, the data, some of the best data can comes from clinical practice. Some of the best questions come from clinical practice. And I think research should always be a collaboration, you know, um, because there are unique skill sets that, you know, a trained researcher is going to have, you know, that a clinician is not going to have, but there's some insight that a clinician may have from challenges that face the profession. And ultimately our research, even if it's a bench, you know, you know, you know, basic science research like has a translatory you know effect we should be always focusing on what's going to improve practice so the best way to get research that makes a high impact on clinical practice is to bridge the gap yeah, between right. clinicians and <laughs> um and researchers so yeah i think that's that's my view on it 
Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I agree a hundred percent. And so I, I kind of, even through my PhD training and, and the roles that I've ha- had at Cleveland Clinic and now here at Duke, I've gravitated towards this idea of, of learning health systems. And one of my favorite things about this learning health system framework is that the entire cycle of learning from, you know, collecting data, running a study to then implementing change is done collectively by what would be termed in that uh, framework, a learning community. And the learning community is all of the right people sitting around the table to do all of the phases of that, right? So the projects that I was engaged with that I did at, at Cleveland Clinic, I never did by myself. I did with clinicians, the, the staff clinicians who knew better about what their work looked like every day. And we worked together in a learning community to uh, understand the problem, get data for the problem, run a study, and then implement change based on what we learned. And that was the type of research that I always wanted to do because far too often researchers do research and publish papers and hope somebody does something about it, but then they move on to the next thing. And that doesn't help us. We found that doesn't help us change practice. So we need new paradigms. We need new ways to work. And doing these types of partnered projects uh, is so important from start to finish. You mentioned publishing papers. I'm curious, what is the what is the finished product for all of this? Like, will this potentially lead to publication for these people swimming in the shark that come and offer up their ideas? Or is it meant for quality improvement or something else? Or it could be any of the above. I think the official answer to that is a solid maybe. I think it really just depends on the project. So really thinking about the potential of a project, um, I think my tombstone will say like, that's a great QI project. Can we write it up? Because at the end of the day, sharing knowledge, whether it's, you know, textbook research versus quality improvement, we are all learning from something. My favorite expression that I say on repeat to my staff is allow yourself to be a beginner. Every single person on this screen started off as a student, as a student asking questions of their CI started as a new grad asking more important questions. And then with some support, some encouragement, Um, You know, you find yourself on this path where you're not just implementing change on like you and the patient's relationship. You're now creating large systematic changes on behalf of health systems or huge populations of people that really need attention or support. And I think, you know, no project too small. But at the at the end of the day, writing something up doesn't need to be this scary finish line. It can be something you consider and weigh in as you go. So I think it just really depends on the readiness of the individual to contribute to the larger body of evidence. But if we don't give people a launching, like a launching pad to get started down a pathway, then we won't continue to improve as a profession. And that's Mm -hmm. why this initiative is so critical because Mm -hmm. it's not just about contributing to a body with, of evidence with people who already have the support. It's helping the people who are trying, who have the motivation and they just need to know what to do next. Well, and that's why I feel like, yeah, Carrie, I agree. It's why I think that the end goal is that we provide better care. Like that's the end goal for any of of the things that are coming. So if you're a person who's thinking, I wish we could do this better, or I wish we knew how to do this better or what to do better. Those are the people and the ideas that we need here. And along the way, maybe we publish a paper and along the way, maybe we give a presentation somewhere. But in the end, what we hope for is that patients receive better care that, and we know what that better care looks like in order to give it to them. I love that. You're putting it right back where it should be with the patient. (laughs) 
And I would say, Danny, you'd probably agree the success is getting the process right. And if we disseminate, that's awesome. But the goal is not just to disseminate for dissemination's sake. Mm -hmm. We want our time and investment of this individual to help them grow, to be better, to able to contribute in their local environment, whether that's a 40-bed critical access community hospital or a 1,000-bed academic center, and improve the care of their patient populations given the challenges and the people that they serve. And if we can disseminate that, fantastic, let's do it. But if we don't get to that, but we get success in everything else, that's still a win. And I, I think I want people to really know that because that's the way that I'm, I'm looking at this. Yeah. You know, Carrie, I heard you mention the word student earlier and it made me think, you know, obviously a physical therapist, a physical therapist assistant, I can see coming to something like this, but what about a student that might have a great question that they want to kind of explore? This might be biased, but I will never say no to the student. I mean, feel free to contribute, right? You know, if I'm you know, a student working with Josh Johnson, I have a lot of resources, but at the same time, not all schools are connected to academic medical centers. And, you know, I started down my entire path because my professor at the time, Barbara Smith, encouraged me to get involved in the section and to do different things and ask questions differently. And I think you can really create, think about the lifespan you could impact if you just, you know, create that relationship or provide that amount of encouragement in a student, you know, 10 years down the road, they're contributing in a very different way than if we said, no, no, you can't do that because you're a student, you know? So I just, I, the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. Shout out <laughs> so, to Smith, who has been, uh, who's been on the podcast also. So Barb, thank you. Still working together. I love it. Yeah. If I could extend that shout out too, I, you know, I've been on the research committee with Barbara and Carrie for about six years and their vision and what they're doing to make this accessible has been remarkable. Thank you know, they're doing everything they can to do exactly what you said, Leo, and I loved your question. You know, how do we connect researchers and clinicians to, to advanced practice? And Barbara and Carrie have been remarkable at, for the Academy of Acute Care in trying to make that happen in multiple ways. And, and I think the Shark Take is one of the many things that they've done to try to help us move forward. I mean, that's part of what we're doing with, with the podcast, right? It's just letting people, you know, we're trying to connect to our, our listeners, connect to our profession and let people know that these are, you know, these are movers and players within our field, part of this Shark Tank. And even if you're not going to be part of the, the Shark Tank, but at least maybe at least start a conversation or walk up to them. That's why I definitely encourage you. If you can, you can make it out to CSM in Boston, please do, because there's great learning opportunities. And again, I felt in the past, maybe as a new clinician, not as well connected, but it wasn't until I was part of APTA and then also part of the acute care section, I realized, wow, these people are are so helpful and, and so nice to be able to lend mentorship and words of encouragement. So those, those listeners that are out there that might be a little bit intimidated, please reach out. And uh, we've got some great players here that uh, can help out. And those students who are out there, I believe if you're a member of the APTA, you can now be a member of an APTA acute care for free. Free. So free. please yes. come and join It's a great us. price. And yes, mm -hmm. there's my plug. But I would also, like, for me, like, I'm coming to watch this thing. Like, I just, I'm already <laughs> excited because I feel like even if I'm not swimming in the tank, even if I'm not a shark, I'm going to learn so much from just hearing the, the discourse and the back and forth of what you all have to offer and some of the ideas that people have. I think it's going to be amazing. I feel like we've covered a lot, but is there anything else you all wanted the listeners to know that we haven't covered? And an email just went out today about the about the details. Can you guys share maybe some of the details about exactly what's going on with the Shark Tank? Like I think, due dates, yeah. right? deadlines. Ooh. 
Do you have that? Ooh, you're going to ask me about that. I, I don't have the due date. Numbers um, now. I think it's by the end of January, if I'm not. Uh, yeah, January 31st, I have here. It's on Friday from 11 to 1 at CSM, whatever date that becomes. Those of us who do a lot of CSM things, you just start thinking in terms of days, and the dates become very fuzzy. Time is mm -hmm. so true. Mystery. But uh, yeah, so it's Friday from 11 to 1. We encourage a lot of audience participation. We're hoping to just get a lot of people talking. We did reserve time at the end to just have open questions or dialogue very similar. We got a lot of people and a lot of interest, a lot of positive feedback from the question and answer part, uh, part of the panel approach we took last year where people could just stand up and ask, you know, kind of one-off questions, have a panel to sort of brainstorm with you. And, you know, I think being able to just be open to different thoughts and ideas is in of itself a really exciting thing. And then if you can't get enough, there is going to be a Research Connections event. We do it every year. It, I believe, is also on Thursday this year, but we'll send out more information through the Academy when we get the details of that in the room and things like that. But there's drink tickets, typically. Um, people like Josh and Danny, tend, you know, people tend to come, hang out, just talk about research, um, again, with that idea that we're connecting people from across the country. So if you are looking to get involved, if you learn nothing from today, we are trying to help you get involved. So, you know, just shoot us an email and see what we can do. And how many people get to come swim in this tank with you? So we are currently planned for six participants. Okay. Um, but subject to change, pending participation and uh, types of ideas and things like that. So, and I would say also, you know, if you have an idea and you're not sure if you really want to apply or you have questions about the process, reach out. Like these people are so amazing and they've clearly stated that they want to help you. And I think they would also help you decide like, is this something I should even put my name in for or apply for? And they can maybe help you refine and tweak some of that even ahead of time. Yes. We will include we'll include everything within the show notes and the links, links for the applications, contact information to all the sharks. So we'll include all that information. So you listeners out there that are, are, are willing to take the next step, I say go for it. Is it time, Leah? It is time. Okay. It's time. We're bringing it back. Our rapid responses. So the way this is going to work, Sharks, just in case you don't know, <laughs> Ashley and I are going to ask you a question. And I think we have to, we always have to emphasize this, Ashley, because some of these speakers, they've got great answers, but it's rapid response. So the first thing that comes up to your mind, shout it out. Right. And I think and because gonna... there's so many of you, I'm going to do two minutes. And we're just going to say your name maybe before or after the question. So we're not all talking on top of each other because mm -hmm. it could get a little crazy. That sounds good. All right. I've got the timer ready. You ready, Leo? Give me a second here. Let me just adjust Nervous. my... All right. Okay. And then I, you want me to ask the, the first question? Yeah, of course. All right. All right. And go. All right. This question is for Kyle. Kyle, have you ever done a TikTok dance? I have not ever done a TikTok dance officially, but I'm sure that I've done one unofficially, so not on video. Perfect. Carrie, what is your favorite book? Oh, God. Ooh. I don't know. I can only think of my Six Sigma book, which I'm really excited about right now because I'm a big old dweeb. So shout out to Lean Healthcare by Dennis Delisle. I read it to my kids last night for sleep. <laughs> I have a question. Not making this up. I have a question for Rich Simon. Rich Simon, would you rather be the hero or the sidekick? Ooh, the hero, definitely. The hero. <laughs> I had an inclination. I think so. Josh, is there another podcast you'd recommend to our listeners? Oh, man. I really love the Freakonomics podcast. Always great episodes, great guests. 
Danny, do you have any? Oh, we already said podcast over here. Danny, what's your most favorite dessert? Pie, almost any type of pie. Awesome. But no, ice cream, good. ice cream and pie are a winner every time for me. I, I don't like cake. I don't like candy, but pie and ice cream. Kyle, you said you're a clinician in the hospital. What's your favorite scrub color? Uh, it's got to be Caribbean blue because that's what I'm mandated to wear. So that went <laughs> down on the brand. Let's do it. Awesome. Carrie, do you have any professional New Year's resolutions? Work-life balance. Bringing it back in 2024. New year, new you. We're talking to researchers. Sir Rich, what was your first publication? My my first publication? Publication. Uh, it was actually a paper in 2017 called like a perspective paper editorial on chemoreflex sensitivity and heart failure in the Canadian Journal of Cardiology. Uh, and I think the teaser title was A Breath of Fresh Air, which is actually kind of fitting. <laughs> awesome. Josh. Tell me some, or at least name one of your most favorite movies. Oh man, we recently revived the Harry Potter series in my house with my kids. So very, cool. very nice. And we are at time. So now you all have to answer this one and I'll call out your names in the order that you'll answer it. You know, you work in acute care when fill in the blank, Carrie. The smells, you just know, <laughs> Danny, you know, you know, you know. You have, you have to change into scrubs because you got poop on the original ones. <laughs> Smells. Kyle? When you end your day and you're not sure if you've done any therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That one's so true. I love it. Josh? I think I'm going to have to go sentimental. The, the fact that patients and families get really excited about little things like sitting up and taking yeah. Oh, I love that one. Aww. Cool. All right. Rich, you got to follow that. Yeah. It's a sentimental route as well. Become best buddies with uh, the nursing staff. True. Oh. They're allies for sure. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I love cool. it. Very cool. First well, thank rule, you, Sharks. Yeah. Thank you, Sharks, so much for joining us today and give us an opportunity to uh, talk to you all and pitch the Shark Tank to our listeners out there. Hopefully, they've learn a little bit more about what the Shark Tank is and learn more about CSM and some of the different events that we're holding. Yeah, so come and watch the Shark Tank. That's my last hoorah. Come and watch the Shark Tank. Awesome. And again, we'll include everyone's contact information, links for applications and everything else. So thank you all for being here today. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you everybody. Bye. See you in Boston. I like it. Oh, we should plug the pre-con. Ooh. Josh? You want to give a shout out to the pre-con? Yeah, we should plug the pre-con. We're doing a pre-con on creating value in acute care. It's really going to be focused on learning health systems. So helping attendees think through, you know, where am I at in this process of learning? Do I need to start collecting data? Do I, am I ready to start running some projects? Are we looking to implement programs? So there will be a few presentations, but we're trying to reserve as much time as possible for participants to engage around table discussions with researchers and clinicians and rehab leaders from various health systems across the country. Yeah, it, I think that's it's on, another huge panel. It's on Valentine's Day, which I think is the Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's just Share like, the love. Share the you'll love. You'll have to get sentimental again. I, I know. Awesome. Nothing says love like research and healthcare systems. Oh, yeah. On Valentine's Day. <laughs> Nowhere else I'd rather be. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everybody.
would like to thank Carrie, Josh, Rich, Kyle, and Daniel for joining this on our opening episode of Season 2 of the podcast. Acute Conversations is the official podcast of APTA Care. It is hosted by Leo Argulis and Ashley Poole. Executive produced by Katie Brito and Edward Mathis. Music by Alexia Action from Pixabay. For more information about APTA Care, be sure to check out our show notes for links and resources from the Academy. If you found value from our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, follow, and share with your friends and colleagues. Join us next time for a recap of 2023 with our co-hosts and a look towards 2024. Thank you for listening, and may your shoes and scrubs stay clean today. Take two. Redo. You ready? Today we chat with Carrie Lammers, Josh Johnson, Rich Severin, Danny Young, and Kyle Ridgway. Was there audio? I'm, I'm sorry, my phone went off. I thought it was my phone. I was looking for my phone. I was like, because mm, my phone has the same ring. Well, because what happens is like my, my phone is on silent, but then it connects to my laptop. And same. That's, why, that's uh, why I thought it was mine. Son of a gun. Here we go.